look forward to retirement and avoid the pitfalls. Keep listening for ways to maximize your retirement income. More Than Money with the Popowich Carmelli Advisory Group, CIBC Woodgundy, on News Talk 770. Lifestyle matters. It's more than money. I'm Faisal Carmel. I'm my co-host here, Dave Popovich. How you doing, buddy? I'm great, Faisal. You? I'm good. I'm uh, <clears throat> um, tired, and I'm tired. Uh, it's been a very interesting week in the markets, mm-hmm. but I'm tired because it seems like every single day something's changing in regards to this whole COVID Delta variant. Yep. And because I'm reading about the material all around the world, um, I think there is a tale of two different stories here. Um, there is what's happening within our reach, pretty much North America. We're yes. seeing yep. differences here. And then I'm seeing what's happening in other parts of the world, like Asia, parts of Europe, and it's completely different. Yeah, and you know, uh, doing a lot of reading around growth. Are we peaking? Is it slowing? What impact is that having? inflation, all of these things are playing a role. And we should talk about that in in this segment. But we're going to have a really cool show today because we want to talk a little bit about how do you make money beyond just the stock market, Yeah. right? What are, what, are, what are the other asset classes you could invest in to actually make money? Add to your portfolio, make more money, reduce risk, a whole bunch of different benefits. So I think people want to stick around for that to see how they can actually enhance their their returns in their portfolio by looking beyond just the you know, the things that they're comfortable with and they know. Yeah, and, and, and many times people don't even know what tools are out there. Right. And so to actually have those conversations about, look at all the different things you can get in, in, invested in, provided there's some structure and discipline around it, we can, you can actually do quite well and lower your risk. That's right. And that's, a, that's an awesome way of doing things. So I think that's, that's going to be a great conversation because that's what we're going to talk about today. We've got, we've got some experts coming on the show today talking about these different, different ways of using multiple assets to give you the kind of returns you're looking for. And then you look at what, what else is happening in, in today. And, and the big conversation this week was inflation. Yeah. You know, I looked at what was interesting. Uh, the the uh, Stats Canada came out with their adjusted way of looking at inflation, or they right. call it CPI. Yeah. 700 yeah. items are in this list, Dave. So when people talk about inflation, they, they talk about one thing, the, right. the word inflation. Right. But there's 700 different items, and they all have different weightings based upon um, consumer behavior. Yeah, the average right? basket of goods, right? The average basket yeah. of goods. So things like um, delivery fees from Skip the Dishes. I'm well known for that, by the way. <laughs> uh, they, they've done. Are very you contributing well. to inflation? Oh, oh, I'm contributing to the Skip the Dishes uh, <laughs> program. Let me tell you, um, <laughs> they've done very well because of me. Then there's also included is. Um, Game consoles. Right. So COVID and the pandemic has provided a change in behavior that's getting adjusted into, yeah. the, into the CPI or the inflation rate. What's interesting now is the debate on is inflation transitory or is it permanent? And it's funny how they're saying it's one or the other. Mm-hmm. 700 items in the inflation basket. Right. How can it be all or none? Right. It's not. It's not going to be. Right. There's going to be some permanent and some that are going to be, uh, you know, temporary. Yeah. And temporary could be a few years. Could be. Right? It doesn't necessarily have to be two months. Right. Um, so there, there is the interesting part when you just take, you know, the dissection of the 700 items in the basket, you can identify where things are going up in price and how does that impact 
global economy, local economies, currencies, companies. And your household, your individual household. And then you can see what's temporary inflation. Right. And where's the opportunity there? So I think what, what, what we're, we get too caught up in is people generally listen to or see headline stories of inflation is up. And it's going to go to the. It's going to be above three percent. You, right. you and I were talking before the show that if inflation was zero for the rest of the year, it's still average above three percent for the right. year. That's scary. Three percent inflation. Ah. Well, what the central bank said is their high end, right? Three percent. The target. Right. And now you have to go through those baskets. Right. And say, okay, what's really pushing the price up? Yep. And then if you look at the economy. Right. So. People are assuming that interest rates are going to rise end of this year because inflation's up. Right. It's not that easy. You wouldn't right. need this many members of the, on, the, on the Bank of Canada or in the Federal Reserve if it was just that one decision. Yeah. Yeah, it's way more complicated than people think. And, and the question is, what are the implications? So you said something right at the, at the beginning of that, uh, that piece that you just did, is it's not one or the other. Yeah. Right? So, you know, is some of the inflation temporary and transitory? Yes, I think we believe that some is. Is some of it more permanent? I would say yes, I think that's, that's probably the case. Remember, we've been struggling for 11 years from a central bank perspective to get inflation up to 2%. Yeah. We've been running well under 2% for 11 years. They wanted a 2% target, they're prepared to let it run a little bit hotter. My question, you know, the work that I'm doing from a risk perspective when I think about what's the impact of inflation, is really not whether or not they're going to raise inflation, or sorry, interest rates right away. I think we all agree that they're going to be very cautious in that approach. But their language, right, the guidance they give the market is important. And so if we are, in fact, running hotter than 3% at the end of the year, and we both believe that to be the likely outcome, what starts coming from the Bank of Canada, from the U.S., you know, from the Fed, um, from the European Central Bank? What are we going to see and what implications will that have? On the different asset classes. Yeah, this is going to be this is the the challenge that's out there right now right. for money managers like us. You bet. Right? Where? What's the communication? What's the action after the communication? And where do you profit and protect in that situation? Right. And so people are saying right now, Dave, <clears throat> let's just go all in the stock market. Yeah. Look at that double-digit returns in the stock market. Pick Canada, U.S. It doesn't matter. Um, let's just keep our money there. Right. But what about all those risks that we just talked about when it comes to inflation, COVID variants of Delta, how it's impacting the growth and so forth? There's a lot of risk on the table. Sure there is. Do you want to put all in on stocks? Well, and do you because remember? Yeah, exactly. Do you remember the temper tantrum? Well, you know, I, I know you remember. Do you guys remember the temper tantrum in the fourth quarter of 2018 when then uh, Fed Chair Ben Bernanke started to talk about rising interest rates? He just sneezed rising right. interest rates. He didn't talk about it. It wasn't, it, there was more conversation about the unemployment of, 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 of minors, meaning under the age of 18 and over the age of 15, mm -hmm. than there was on the taper tantrum. And the entire market just lost it. I, and I'm going from memory here, so don't quote me on the exact number, but it was about a 20% pullback in that quarter it on the equity ridiculous. markets. Ridiculous. And right. so it, you're right, it is all about communication. It is all about action after the communication. And so, just know what the risks are out there. And that's right. why I'm happy we're going to have this show, because there's multiple assets you can have. Right. There's multiple ways to invest. Now, we've employed this, this kind of mindset, this approach to a portfolio, the structure and discipline behind it Bingo. for 
a very long time. Uh, you know, Faisal, it, it, it's interesting. The market's interesting. You can talk about high valuations in the equity market. You can talk about low interest rates, rising interest rates, inflation affecting fixed income markets and equity markets for that point. You know, how do you, how do you get maybe outside of the traditional asset classes, give yourself a different risk profile, a different earning opportunity, you know, um, in the markets? And one of the ways that you could do that is using... Um, Trading strategies are outside of the norm, looking at multi-asset classes and trading them differently, right, to create different outcomes from risk and return profiles. When you look at an outcome that you're looking for out of your portfolio, you definitely want to have lower volatility or risk, right. and you want to try to maximize the return. One of the mandates that we have come across and that we've been working with is how to get a better than... Um, than just a, a simple rate of return. We want to get more of a, a better return with less risk, with which, less is, risk. Right. which is a very challenging, challenging task. Yep. And so when you have that as your objective and you have all the asset classes like you, you've yep. mentioned at your disposal, you have to take a different perspective in life, right? I've, I've said this before, if you only have one tool in your tool belt, let's call it a hammer, then everything's a nail. <laughs> you better hope. But if you have a whole <laughs> bunch of tools in your tool belt, you can do so many things, but you got to start, start to think, how do you use those tools yep. and what are the impacts? So let's kind of go into how do you look at different things in the world and how does that translate to what you put in your portfolio? In position. Okay, so who's going to help us do that? Michael Sager, who's the Vice President, Multi-Asset and Currency at CIBC Asset Management. Michael, welcome back to the show. We appreciate you taking some time to join us today. Hello, guys. Uh, glad to be here. So I think we'll start maybe at a, at a high level, and we're going to talk about maybe a second quarter review. I'd like to get, Michael, your opinion on how you felt the second quarter was shaping up going into the second quarter, how it played out, and then we can talk a little bit after that about how you positioned and so on and so forth. Yeah, absolutely. You know, I, I think that at the beginning of the second quarter, our worldview, our top-down worldview was that we were pretty close to peak growth in this economic cycle. We'd had a lot of stimulus um, put into the system by central banks, by uh, governments over the previous 12 months, and that had really stimulated economic growth. But we were pretty close to that peak. In the US, we expected it to uh, growth to peak out in Q2. China had already probably peaked. Europe still to come a little bit later but nonetheless the global growth uh, rate was around about its high point and then we would start transitioning to something a little bit slower it will be a relatively benign transition nothing um, too malignant about it but nonetheless slower growth uh, was ahead so that was one of the thoughts the other one was that we were prepared for a at least temporary pickup in inflation and we needed to adjust positioning to reflect that expectation so a peaking in growth and a little bit more inflation at least in the short term was where we started and i think both of those came to fruition i think uh Certainly inflation in the U.S. has peaked out so far at about 5.5% year on year. That's a lot higher than we'd seen for the previous several years. Uh, growth is on course. Nothing too surprising there. But we did have some surprises and we've had to react to those and 
happy to talk about them. One was a little bit of an inflection uh, in the US Federal Reserve to a, a slightly more hawkish policy than we expected. And then I, I think the Delta COVID variant has occupied minds in the market more than was expected. Uh, and so we can certainly talk about that on a, on a forward-looking basis too. So I, I think that's what we were expecting and a little bit of what we saw. Performance was uh, for the quarter as a whole in our Mars fund was good. We were positive in uh, April and May and we had a little bit of a setback in June, but net net positive. So it was a pretty good quarter. Michael, before uh, bringing you on the show, Dave and I were talking about the multiple tools in your tool belt that an individual could have when building a portfolio. Now, with this multi-asset uh, portfolio that you have, um, with all the tools that you can use, how did you determine uh, what tools to use given that, that outlook uh, of a peaking, uh, peaking economy uh, from a growth rate perspective, increasing inflation, all these different issues are coming at you. Um, tell me a bit more how you, how you decided to pick what, what tools to use on this tool belt. Well, I, I think your emphasis on toolkits really important. So it's the, the first order of business, I think, is to identify what risks you're facing and um, what asset classes can help you profit from those risks. So equities do very well in a strong growth environment. They do less well when inflation's picking up. So we need to keep with your analogy, we need another tool. Uh, commodities do relatively well when inflation is picking up. But it's not necessarily the case that you always want exposure in the portfolio to commodities. So it, it's really identifying the, the underlying cash flows for each asset class and when those cash flows are going to be strong and weak. So that's the starting point. And then it's also think about valuations um, and the push and pull between uh, long-term value and, and the relatively more short-term cyclical pressures out there. So which one's going to dominate? Is it value we should focus on? Is it the cycle? For equities, to give you an example, valuations look increasingly stretched, but the strength of the cycle means that equities will probably be fine over the next 12 months. So it's understanding the strength of that push and pull, understanding what's driving the underlying asset classes, and really thinking about also, you know, which regions of the world are going to do best at the, you know, in the immediate wake of the uh, pandemic, it was Asia. Asia was first in and first out. They really benefited in an economic sense from that ordering of recovery. More recently, it's been the US. So understand geographic risks, value versus cycle risks, and then underlying cash flows. What drives an asset class and how relevant is that to the risk we're facing? So those are some of the, the key decisions we need to take. 
Michael, just to maybe expand on that a little bit, because there's all kinds of asset classes you can participate in, understanding those various risks. But there's also, you can also overlay different trading strategies to help either profit or protect, depending on what your belief is and the direction of whatever asset class that you're focused on. And maybe um, in, sim in simple terms, terms that, uh, you know, English terms that we can all understand, maybe talk a little bit about some of the strategies that you could deploy in order to offset risks or take advantage of opportunities in rising and or falling markets. Yeah, and, and that's the key to a strategy like Mars, that it's meant to, wherever possible, profit regardless of the market or the economic environment. Whereas a traditional uh, equity-centric portfolio, benchmark-relative portfolio, will be a little bit hostage to fortune in, in terms of market and uh, economy. So that's the first point. We're trying to profit regardless of market environment. So let's think about what we were confronted with. Well, although valuations were looking stretched, as I said, the, the cyclical outlook for growth looked good. So we want to be exposed to the most attractive equity markets. Uh, that includes Asian markets. It includes European markets. Um, we were preparing for a pickup in inflation. What are the best asset classes to profit from stronger inflation? Well, as I mentioned, they're typically in commodities, crude oil, gold. So we had long positions in crude oil. We had a long position in gold to protect or to benefit, whichever way you want to think about it, from an inflation risk. Let's go back to equities. Not all equities are going to do well in an environment of strong growth, but rising inflation. Value stocks will do better than more growthy stocks. Uh, so banking sector stocks will do uh, particularly well when inflation's rising, which means interest rates will tend to rise a little bit. So we want to be exposed to banks uh, as an example in equities, not just all equities. So it's very much identify the asset classes that are going to work best and then take a position. I've talked about long positions, but in the Mars Fund, one of the other uh, levers we have to pull is we can be long or short. So, so Michael, yeah, can I can I jump in right there because uh, you were talking to us a little bit about what long positions and how to position there, but you can also profit from a short position if if you think a market or a valuation is too high or a market is yeah you know set to underperform. Yeah, and so we, we wanted to kind of get an idea of what are the different methods or ideas you can bring into a portfolio to profit and protect in every kind of market position. And so we've got Michael Sager, Vice President of Multi-Asset and Currency at CIBC Asset Management. Michael, uh, let's go right to that point there when we're talking about long and short. Most people understand long, buy low, sell high. Uh, the opposite is what you're talking about when it comes to short, but that sounds scary to many people. Tell us how together that actually gives you that profit and protection that you've been talking about last segment. Yeah, well, it, it's relatively straightforward, and I don't think it's people should be worried about it at all. It, it's a very straightforward process. 
the idea is that you know we have an insight and we want to um, benefit from both sides of that insight so we think something's going up uh, on the other side we may also identify something that's going down at the same time so rather than just uh, investing in half of that idea let's invest in both sides and really maximize the opportunity to add value so an example the most straightforward would be in currencies we think that some emerging market currencies look very attractive over the long term because of their underlying growth potential the economy will of russia for example or Indonesia in the long term we think is going to be very strong so we want to be exposed to that insight by being long the Russian ruble or the Indonesian rupiah on the other side of that we think the Japanese yen is very expensive the yen tends to not do well in, in an environment of relatively good growth so let's pair those two ideas up Let's go long, for example, the Russian ruble and uh, short the yen. Put those two together and we could really profit from both sides of that. We do it in a very risk controlled, disciplined way, um, but it fits very well in a strategy like Mars. Let's, let's take a look at going forward now mm -hmm. with all the tools in your tool belt, forecasting the next, let's say three, six, 12 months out, uh, what do you see happening and uh, what tools are you prepared to use out of your tool belt? Yeah, it's a, it's a great question and it's certainly clear that market uncertainty has picked up a lot in the last two or three months. I mentioned that hawkish tilt from the US Federal Reserve. That's introduced uncertainty into the market. What's the Fed going to do? over the next six to 12 months? And is it something different than the market expected? The Delta COVID variant, definitely increasing uncertainty about economic growth prospects. You know, we think that both are relevant risks, but we also think the market's probably overstating them. Um, so we're comfortable with our view on growth, a relatively constructive view. We also think the market is probably downplaying uh, inflation. You know, if you look at uh, bond yields, they've fallen quite significantly over the last couple of months. Suggests that the, the bond market thinks the inflation scares over. We don't think it's quite the time to be making that call yet. So let's stay focused on some asset classes that can benefit from inflation we're still long oil and gold for example let's look for opportunities to add to our positions that will benefit from growth uh, if we're right and the market is too pessimistic then those positions will benefit as the market comes to our view so let's stay positioned uh, long in Europe, where we think growth is going to be strongest, the strongest, for example. Um, let's be still long in uh, those uh, emerging market cyclical currencies too. So those would be some of the ideas that uh, 
percolate out from our view and how we're different from the market? You know, Dave, I was, I was listening to Michael and his points and look at all the different opportunities that the world presents. When you look at some of the peers in our industry, they are dealing with very few tools. Mm -hmm. Some will just look in Canada. Mm -hmm. Some might even venture out to this, this other market called the United States, <laughs> right? Some might even put in bonds in the portfolio. God right. forbid they actually try to do that, you know? Right. Like, but to actually look at commodities, currency, equities, different geographical location, as well as fixed income, mm -hmm. this multi-asset process provides a bit more comfort knowing that you're not taking on more risk, but you're not losing out on opportunity. Right, and then overlay mm. that with the additional discipline, uh, a, a trading discipline allows you to be both long and short, right, which creates an entirely different set of risk and return characteristics. Yeah, and so I think when, when Michael, when, when you're looking at what the multi-asset portfolio does, where does it fit in a person or a client's portfolio? Where does it fit overall? We've got a couple minutes left before we have to go to break, but I find that too many people, when they come for a second opinion to Dave or myself, it's they are, they are diversified in Canada, <laughs> which means they only own Canadian stocks. They may have American stocks, but they don't have these multi-asset and different currencies. So where does that type of a portfolio fit when you have the average Canadian invested in just Canadian stocks or yeah, U.S. home stocks. court bias, right? Yeah. Yeah, it absolutely offers more diversification. I think you guys are right that geographic diversification, uh, asset class diversification, think about time diversification as well. Oftentimes, people invest in opportunities that have the same horizon. But how about having some long-term investments and some a little bit shorter term so mix all of those different sources of return and risk and you can provide a really diversifying source of return whether you're a fixed income centric investor or whether you're an equity centric investor it's going to be accretive and very helpful that, that's fantastic i think that's the kind of uh, information that the average investor even the average advisor sure. needs to kind of uh, present to, to, to the public. You know, Michael, I want to thank you for joining us today. What's uh, some great information you gave us? Always a pleasure, guys. We've been joined by Michael Sager, the Vice President of Multi-Asset and Currency at CIBC Asset Management. Um, the conversations this week, you know, as we do a debrief each week to, to think about what kind of conversations, trends seem to be happening right now. And, mm -hmm. uh, you know, Faisal, stressing about family seemed to be a common theme. Now, lots of different aspects here. Yeah. Right? Let's talk about kids. Um, seems to be a lot of people. Adult children, let's kind of. Sure, adult children, yeah, yeah. better. Um, a lot of people, not just this week, but a growing trend, worrying about housing. Can they get in, can they afford a house, right? Helping with a down payment, lost a job. Some cases it's mental illness, they're suffering from the isolation of COVID. There's a whole bunch of different aspects of this and helicopter mom and dad are there to help. <laughs> so I can, I can totally understand, and we're, as fathers, you and I can, can attest that when our children, regardless of age, yeah. go through tough times, yeah. we want to kind of either help and in some cases rescue. Right. 
And I think we need to define the two. Rescuing is what we hear initially from people when they call us. Correct. I want to buy my child a home. Right. I want to pay for the down payment. I want to make sure that they've got cash flow. Give my money to them so they can, like, those are rescuing strategies. Right. Nothing wrong with it unless it impacts other goals and objectives that you have as well and you need to weigh out and prioritize. Yep. But helping is another conversation. And there are two ways, I think, you can help. One is helping them by giving advice. Mm -hmm. The other one is helping them for them to find their own advice. Right. And so what I found with a few of uh, people listening to the show would call me up and say, Faisal, my child has a question. Should they buy a home given their financial situation? And so because it's me, it's my personality, I say, why are you calling me? Why isn't your child calling me? Shouldn't they be able to talk about their concerns, what's on their plate, what's on their mindset, so we can have a good conversation together to see if we can actually reach those goals? Because remember the old telephone game we used to play when we were kids? Mm -hmm. your, your classmate would mm -hmm. tell you something, you mm -hmm. tell somebody else, by the time it comes back around, it's totally wrong. Yep. That happens sometimes. The, the, the adult child will tell their parent, this is what I'm looking for, I need a house. That's it, that's the conversation. That's how mom and dad filter it. That's what they hear. Right. And so then when they say it to us, okay, my kid needs it. Can you explain to them, is it better to buy a house or not? Right. That's not their concern. Right. They want a house because. Right. <laughs> and then we dig into that. So I think there's two different ways of helping. And then there's also those parents that want to rescue. I right. think that's one of the, during this pandemic, it has magnified or exposed a lot of concerns. And many people have been impacted in a financial manner and in a family manner, immensely. So we want to come in and help. So I think as parents um, of adult children, take a step back and say, are we helping or rescuing? Mm -hmm. And if we're helping, are we going to do it for them, the help? Or are we going to ha have them get it themselves? Yeah. Yeah. And then there, yes. Um, good question. Now let's go to the, let's go to the parent side of this. Well, Okay. As as a, when you're a parent, you're also concerned about somebody else in your family. You're not just worried about your children, you're worried about your significant other, your spouse, your partner. And we have many people calling us up and saying, I'm really worried that if I'm not here, will my spouse be able to handle everything? Mm -hmm. Or is that person going to be properly taken care of? Yeah. You know, I had the experience um, over the past couple of weeks and um, this is not COVID related, but um, we had a client pass. And um, it, you know, it was really uh, a very interesting process. He was very organized. He wanted to make sure that you know, everything was left in, um, in proper order. And uh, it turned out uh, to be just literally weeks before he, he was passing, we sat down and we did a full review of all of his estate. Mm -hmm. Made sure the will, the power, the power attorney, personal directive, all the beneficiary designations were taken care of. Assets were organized in a way that was going to reduce the burden on the executor and make the transition of the assets um, as simple, as easy, and as tax efficient as it could possibly be. And it was so important. It was so touching to have that conversation, and he had his executor involved in it, just to see how concerned he was about making sure that the, you know, his spouse was not going to have to be burdened with something other than this transition that they were going to go through. 
and it was um, it was remarkable, you know. And and we're of course going through that right now, but I thought it was a very very brave and responsible thing to do. Now that's a bit dramatic in, in the sense that it happened so quickly, but these are things that you can do, that parents can do, spouses can do to make sure that the affairs are taken care of, and there there isn't a financial burden or or um, I was going to say a tax liability or, or the emotional burden of having to work through problems at a time that you're under stress. Yeah, I, I, I find that when um, there are, there's usually, in, in my experience, one of the, of, the, of the members of the two, of the couple, that's actively involved yeah. in the day-to-day decision-making of investments, planning strategy when it comes to investments. Yeah. When it comes to planning of their retirement, we need this much money, Faisal, and we need it for this long, and here we go. But when it comes to the planning of the healthcare and the estate, we find that there's not one person that's in charge. We actually find that it's usually left to nobody. Mm. They both have individual dreams, goals, ideas, thoughts, feelings. Right. But they're like, uh, we don't touch this stuff. Right. So having a proper approach to this, we call it the four buckets, yep. uh, provides that conversation. I call it the check engine light on your dashboard you don't check your engine until that light turns on right we're the light that turns on for our clients right. and said let's check that engine right let's make sure everything's okay so we've covered I, part of the 360 parental issue here so your kids mm. their, their spouses let's talk about we're getting calls i'm worried about my parents right kids right Take, yeah. so our clients they're in their 50s and 60s, right. and they're concerned and worried about their parents. Yeah. From a long-term care perspective, home care, there's one piece that was mentioned earlier about the investment side in this show was talking about time diversification, mm. and I wrote that down. Yeah. It's the same thing for people who are stuck in this 360 program. They are concerned about their significant other, they're concerned about their adult children, and they're concerned about their parents. That 360 time diversification is so hard. Right. You're running everywhere. Right. So how do you plan it? You have to have members on your team. Right. No matter what situation you're into, if you're covered all three issues or just one or two, mm-hmm. make sure you have a team of professionals working with you and together. Yeah. And, and I think from, you know, from this conversation, if we expand it, right, and, and the conversations that we've been having when we, we were talking, you know, prior to the show, there is so much more than just the investment strategy. And I don't want to downplay how difficult and complicated it's that complex, structure and discipline sure. is, it's right? It's complex. Okay, got it. But then there's all these other items, right? Issues around lifestyle and people's family and their dynamics and all of the things that are going on in a person's life that complicate the full picture. Yeah. Right? And I really do think that the total quality, uh, I mean, we think of the, this issue of, um, um, uh, uh, of quality of life or, or uh, uh, peace of mind is what the phrase I was trying. Peace of mind doesn't just come from the portfolio. Peace of mind comes from all these other items. You know, are my kids okay? Every parent worries about that. Absolutely. So what are you worried about? You know, what are you individually worried about with respect to your family mm-hmm. dynamic? Mm-hmm. That's an important piece of the puzzle. Parents, right? You and I have, have different situations. Aging parents, mm-hmm. they have different issues, mm-hmm. right? These are really important things to give total peace of mind. You know, and, and when, you're, when you're talking about that total peace and we talk about time diversification, I think the one message of you don't have to do it all by yourself. Right. 
I'm, I'm not sure anybody can. Right. Um, I feel that there's a lot of pressure from society, social pressure, that you're not doing it. You're not taking care of your parents, Dave. Right. You're, not, you're not at work taking care of your kids, taking care of your parents, taking care of, taking care of your business. Take, like, why aren't you doing it all? Right. Be because time diversification doesn't allow me. It, it, it's the time structure gives you that time freedom. That structure means knowing who to bring in. And I think this is this pandemic has opened it up or magnified it. But I think one thing that individuals can learn from is no matter what your family circumstances are, having people on your team to help you through this will give you the leverage, the skill set, and the ability yep. to reach whatever you're trying to achieve. Well, I agree. Um, I, I, the, the team, time leverage you focused on, um, Skill leverage is important as well. You can't be an expert at everything. Correct. I'm, as much as I experienced this whole dementia thing with my mom and what she's going through, I can o I only have experienced to where we are today. Yeah. I have no idea what's coming. I need people to help me anticipate what that's going to be and help me structure my affairs, yeah. my mom's affairs, in a way that will support what is likely to come. Yeah. Right. And that's where you start to realize that okay, you you know your strengths, you know your areas of opportunity but you also know what the value is when you hire somebody. That's right. And can they deliver? Right. And that's where I think when we start looking at just the cost side of things, we kind of give up on the opportunity of getting leverage of time, sure. getting that skill set and so forth. So I think there's the, the, the messaging is that it's, it's gonna be a challenging time going forward. I don't think these issues of taking care of your kids, taking <laughs> care of your spouse, and taking care of your, your aging parents is ever gonna change. No. Um, I think it's going to get more complex as the governments change the programs and the rules yep. and the taxes and all that stuff. So it's having the right team on board to make sure that uh, you can you can still reach your goals, whatever, yeah, whatever you sure. want to achieve, and have that peace of mind you yep. use. I think that's very important. Yeah, yeah, be able to connect. Okay, let's talk about peace of mind. Let's yeah. talk about how you can actually achieve peace of mind in your in your retirement. Let's talk about how you bulletproof your retirement, basically. Okay. And we're going to discuss that at our upcoming seminar on Tuesday, August 24th, 7 p.m., live online. Now you need to register for this, so go to morethanmoneyradio.com. That's morethanmoneyradio.com to register. Okay, well, listen, we look forward to seeing you all there. I want to thank you for tuning in for another edition of More Than Money on 770 CHQR. On behalf of my business partner, Faisal, and myself, Dave, we look forward to chatting with you next week. David Popovich and Faisal Carmelli are portfolio managers and investment advisors with CIBC Woodgundy in Calgary. The views of David Popovich and Faisal Carmelli do not necessarily reflect those of CIBC World Markets, Inc. Clients are advised to seek advice regarding their particular circumstances from their personal tax and legal advisors. If you are currently a CIBC Woodgundy client, please contact your investment advisor. CIBC Woodgundy is a division of CIBC World Markets, Inc., a subsidiary of CIBC and a member of the Canadian Investor Protection Fund and Investment Industry Regulatory Organization of Canada. David Popovich and Faisal Carmelli are portfolio managers and investment advisors with CIBC Woodgundy in Calgary. The views of David Popovich and Faisal Carmelli do not necessarily reflect those of CIBC World Markets, Inc. Clients are advised to seek advice regarding their particular circumstances from their personal tax and legal advisors. If you are currently a CIBC Woodgundy client, please contact your investment advisor. CIBC Woodgundy is a division of CIBC World Markets, Inc., a subsidiary of CIBC and a member of the Canadian Investor Protection Fund and Investment Industry Regulatory Organization of Canada.